The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Casino Resort Studios. We are brought to you by Kelderman Manufacturing. Sorry, this is just I. I, I, was, trying, S- I was trying a new vibe. SNL, I mean, this is the new SNL skin, oh, sweaty balls. <laughs> the sweat. Uh, the ladies love my sweaty balls. Uh, so yeah, we're kicking it. Uh, we are sponsored and brought to you by Kelderman Manufacturing. Kelderman Manufacturing uh, going into next year, especially for those farmers who, at this point, you've already got your grain offloaded. Now you're going to try to make sure you prep for next year. If you're in that boat and you need to repair something, you want to get something customized, all that stuff can be done by Kelder Manufacturing. Go to Kelderman.com. Uh, now, the other thing is we're coming up on the holidays and we're coming up on the bowl game. And so there's many of you will be going to Memphis or many of them will not be, but you'll still be interested in kind of prepping for Memphis. We have uh, a, a reporter covering for covering Memphis today, there's going to get to the second half of the show. We're also going to be coming out with a bowl special here on Cyclone Fanatic within the next week or so, just to kind of prepare for to get everybody ready for uh, the bowl game. So, uh, Grant, how you doing, buddy? I'm here, man. Doing well. That's that's always. A, how are you doing? I'm here. How do you like my sh- my my sweatshirt, man? It it looks a little le- less uh, urine colored in this camera, but as we as we talk with Leon, it's definitely dehydrated dehydrated yellow. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's in a the, soft yellow in, in the in the the camera, which you guys can see these on YouTube when they get posted, or perhaps they just on the social media clips. Uh, you'll see it as as very like like Crayola yellow on the screen, but it's not pasta, cra- it's but it's not pasta. Crayola yellow in real life. It's like a faded. It's, it's like the vintage yellow. This it's, is it's my a, favorite logo too. The, the Iowa yeah, the, State with the vintage cyclone. Yeah, kind of written in in sort of uh, almost like bold script, but has the little the kind of the classier cyclone underneath it. It's the best logo. I think the walking side, walking like side, also good. leaning side, leaning side is a solid side. Yeah. I, I, I really, I, I'm a big fan of a uh, leaning side. Um, bugles got to go. That's bugles got to go. I also think like the hot take. I don't really like the tornado chicken. Tornado chicken. That's the one that was in like the, the late nineties where size in punching the middle side. of a tornado. Yeah. Punching side. Like I, oh, I don't wow. really like tornado chicken. Wow. Not, not a fan of tornado chicken. It's you, unique. Might, you might lose some fans. It has Psy in it, which I like better than not having Psy in it or something to do with a cyclone like that. It has going for it. But uh, like, I feel like the thing that's nice about a logo is like growing up and you want to like draw the logos on the, you know, like on, on a sheet of paper, just cause like doodling, whatever that logo is exceptionally hard to recreate. I think you're just a bad artist, dude. <laughs> and, uh, it like it had a lot of blue in it. Tertiary blue, yeah. People which want it. I I'm not a fan. Do you think pe- more people want tertiary blue or black? I think black. I mean, I I feel like black is. I mean, t- that's a poll we should put on uh, Twitter. Yeah, there you go. But uh, it's it's a thing that you can like you can you can uh, put an outfit around black a lot easier. You can match stuff to black a lot easier than you can match to blue. I which like- I, I do have a good. I mean, I have a, do do have a good amount of blue. I got blue eyes. I was gonna say I think, matches I think well. I think blue would bring out your your beautiful blue eyes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I caught you off guard. That I? did. I don't want to. I usually don't get flirted with on the on the show. Well, you don't know hey, what to expect with me. Uh, one thing I do want want to talk about um, before we kind of dive into 
um, sports is, you know, like you mentioned is the holiday season and you know, the holiday season can be lonely for some people, especially if you've lost loved ones. So I would just say kind of a, a PSA or just a recommendation for, for, for those listeners, um, to check in on your loved ones during, during the, the, the holiday season. You know, some people, um, like I mentioned, if they've lost loved ones, it might be a lonely time for them and giving them a call, maybe a small gesture to you, but it may make that person's week. You know, it may be nice. Like I just called my grandma today. She sent me a, a Christmas card, gave her a call and I can tell just how happy she was. I gave her a call. Um, you know, she lost her, her husband, my grandpa, when I was in like fifth grade. So a long time ago and she's a widow. She's by herself. So I'm sure this holiday season can be lonely for her. So I would just say check in, um, on your loved ones and yeah, even if it's just a, a short, how are you? Or Merry Christmas or whatever it might be. I think, you know, that could make the difference to, to someone. That's not a Grant Scribes. That's a Grant Scribes. I do have a Grant Scribes for you. You have a Grant Scribes? <clears throat> That's a quick transition from a Grant Scribes to a Grant Scribes. Should I dive into it? Grant Scribes. Grant Scribes. Grant Scribes! Um, <clears throat> my, my one Grant, my one Grant Scribes for this week, um, I was at the men's game last night, um, and they obviously beat the shit out of uh, FAMU. You know, it's payback for firing Steve Frome. Just kidding. Thank you, Steve, Steve Frome. <laughs> um, Fans left the game with about five, three minutes left in the game. That grinds my gears, man. I'm griping. I, uh, I will, gears. Okay, I, I will co-sign this, Grant Scripes. So uh, it's interesting because my both sets of my parents and Aaron's parents are at various points guilty of doing this. It, for basketball games, I'm less like, uh, how dare you? Especially, it's a 30-point blowout. Like, you've seen all the people you want to see in the game. You've gotten most of the subs in for the most part. Uh, it is cold. It's like you have work in the next morning. So I can understand a little bit more of that in those situations. What I find the, that I don't, I can't rationalize myself is you pay for season tickets or you pay for like for a football, for a football season, you pay for season tickets, you pay for whatever. And then, you know, the game is like, seven points in one way or the other in like the middle of the third quarter and people are like, all right, we're gonna hit the road. I'm like you get seven of these, you get seven of these all year. And then people leave. Now, again, there's different situations because it's like you got childcare issues at home. Uh, you have a, a five hour drive and it's going to rain and you got to go back to the quad cities or Cedar Rapids or something like that or, or wherever. Like I kind of see some of those, but like just when you get tired or like a little, like, I'm kind of bored. Like, come on for, for me, for me, that's, that's part of the game day experience and you should be factoring that in. So if, if, if you, and as a player, you know, as a kicker out a lot of time on the, on the sideline, just standing around taking it all in like Texas A&M really cool to look up and see them waving. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a basketball guy, like when you're in the huddle, you should be focusing on the huddle. So you don't really get to take in, you know, the crowd. I would say as a time winds down what I would, you know, as a, as a player, if I was on the court when the clock hits zero, I'd want to, you know, take in the crowd. And if you see that there's a thousand people in the stands, you know, it's gonna be a little, I don't know. That's my gripe. Grant's gripe. Stick around. The, the, the athletes are, are, are grinding in the offseason. They just played a hard-fought game. Stick around. You can wait three more minutes. You'll get home 10 minutes later. Grant's gripes. Grant's gripes. You're going to get some, uh, some I, I don't know, not to say hate mail for that. Fight me. But uh, I, I, I can co-sign that. I Again. can bench 185 pounds. <laughs> Attaboy. Um, I curled 35 pounds yesterday. Also, uh, congratulations, Aiden. Aiden uh, yeah. officially. Thanks, guys. Graduated. It was a touch and go for a while. Had to get, uh, had to go to the, the chancellor's office, plead for a, to get D, back in. D is for degree. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. So real thing that we're going to talk about, because you know, we can mention a little bit, you went to the basketball game. Is there anything of note? Like the only thing I didn't even watch the game, uh, where I was just changing some diapers and, you know, hanging out with a fussy baby on Sunday night. And like, by the time she kind of got settled down, 
it was like a 25 point lead. And so I kind of was like, all right, I don't need to watch this. This is uh, the Buffalo game is on. Oh, I'll watch that instead. What it, is there anything? The only thing I noticed is Taman shot really well from three. Is there anything from the basketball game that's like of note that you should take from? Because it was just a shit kicking. Um, they had a guy, Keith Lamar. Dude was lighting it up, seven of 13 from three. He had like half their points. Um, so that was impressive. I guess one thing of note is that um, Iowa State beat FAMU by 38. Iowa only beat him by 36. So is you, suck, do you add that, that to the, is it, do you add the 25 Iowa. points? You can add to whatever you want. Fuck <laughs> <them>. <laughs> And that's so many ducks. Also, can I just make an apology? Like when I went the the uh, the playing the producer the, the playoff thing. I'm gonna throw Aiden under the bus after giving a compliment. Like I I was saying the f bomb a number of times because I was expecting it to be quacked out, and then it didn't get quacked out because Aiden I don't know he's studying for finals. I don't have to prepare for an actual like life. Uh, but I apologize for the volume of f bombs. Those intended to be quacks, and they just weren't. People people yeah, think that I say that bombs, but I actually don't. That was on me. Yep, that's hey, I accept that. I uh, I quacked up a bit. That's <laughs> what you did there. Oh man, you know it's funny. This is uh, I I I don't hold this view, but I remember. Did, were you ever in offensive meetings at all for any reason, or like uh, when when the, we did offense and defense, what did you guys go do? Uh, we went to Coach Rhodes' office, dumped out some sand, and drew up plays. <laughs> Actual probable played sand. Golf. And played golf. You guys think I'm joking. Like we actually would go like on the carpet and like you dickheads. Uh no, we, any, we would, anyway. Drop plays. One of the things that we would do, or one of the things Herman would say is he always want he hated the term my bad. Uh and I always thought this was like sort of backwards logic. And but what he said was if you say my bad, that means you made a mistake. And your job isn't to admit your mistake, it's your job is to fix your mistake. And so if you make a mistake and you say my bad, like I kind of thought that is like, I don't mind it as long as if I'm the coach, I would say as long as you say my bad and then don't make that mistake again, then that's fine. But like he, he for whatever reason, he dislikes saying my bad. So Aiden, I accept your my bad. I'm not in, in this respect. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw you under the bus after Thanks. I threw you under the bus. Thanks. Yeah. What, what would Herman want you guys to say instead? I just, just, oops. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I never got the answer on like what you would rather say other than my bad because like, so let's say, uh, the protection was I'm going to go, I'm supposed to block middle linebacker to anyone to the, to the man side. So I need to block, let's say uh, I, we're playing against, I don't know, in practice, AJ is the guy that I'm supposed to pick up. And then if uh Jacquez Washington was coming down, cause he might blitz. My job is I need to go AJ to Jacquez. And one of those two guys comes, well, if both of them come, you should take the most dangerous of the two. And if Jacquez is on the line of scrimmage outside of the tight end or outside of the tackle, and AJ's off. Well, Jacquez in this instance is more dangerous because he's on line of scrimmage. He's going to get there first. Well, if I went and blocked AJ, then uh, that would be a my bad situation. So, like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say if I went and got AJ. Ah, shit. Ah, guys, sorry, Jared. Oops. Oop, didn't mean to, buddy. Uh, but that's uh, that's. I don't know. That's the thing that I, I've never, I still haven't processed. Like there's a couple things that the coaches would say, like, I still, I don't still don't understand the reason behind that. Yeah. Same. Uh, I didn't have too many interactions with Herman because I've never said, Hey coach Herman. He just responded to kicker. He was actually legit funny. Like it, Herman, e- either that or word. Uh, how, hey coach <laughs> word. What? <laughs> that what's funny is Herman and, and uh, Yancey in my book are really like very similar, which is why they like got along so well. So 
Yancey was the strength coach and Herman's the offensive coordinator. And you probably tossed CEO in there as well. And well, CEO was always just a different cat, but like they, they got along really CO. well. But they, the thing with Yancey and Herman that I would always, that I would say is that if you were on the right side of them, like, and really to get on the right side of them is effort and doing the things they ask as hard as you can do them. And it doesn't really matter what that is. Like, you don't have to be the fastest person. Like, they would rather, especially Yancey, would rather have a like backup walk on lineman sprinting his ass off through drills than having a starter who can squat 700 pounds jog like he would rather have the that that backup walk on guy and, and Herman more or less was the same way like he demanded you to just do what he asked you to do and then if you are on the right side of there they're going to be the first ones that are like out and out just I mean I'm not going to say the number of quacks that were said but like the amount of praise that you would get is you would get excessive amounts of praise that you would feel awesome about flip side the other side of that coin is if you weren't doing that, your life was absolutely miserable in that they, they could, if you were thinking you could do it better than they did, or you were lazy or whatever, there is no stone that they wouldn't turn to try and get you to quit being lazy or whatever it is. And so Herman and Yancey always had that same thing. And CEO was kind of the same way, but I didn't know where C the right side of CEO was. Like I didn't know what I was supposed to do because he didn't like me at all. Yancey almost forced me to shit my pants, man. I told you. Yeah, you told, told that, that story, story where you wiped did with I, the rock. Did I, did I ever tell you the, the story about CO and, and getting high in paint bags? No. Okay, so uh, us kickers, I mean, out, you know, just dicking around, go find something to do. So Yancey, or Yancey, CO is like, uh, we'll go work on tackling girls. And like our tackling form was shit. And he, did, he didn't care. He's like, whatever. Like, he's got to be out here. One time we see him leaning down and like sniffing like the lines. We're like, CO, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh, I'm just seeing if like the paint's still fresh. We're like, what? He goes, yeah, when I was a kid, we used to take spray paint, spray it into a, a, a paper bag and then huff it. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm just kind of bored. Just want to see if I can catch a little, you know, quick little something. Like, that's so messed. Like, you're a coach, man. What are you doing? That's, uh, that's, uh, I mean, but to be fair, he was like, not necessarily the brains, but like one of the big portions of the brains behind the strength conditioning, which was substantial. Like, he was basically just like babysitting us and just like neglected the kids for a minute to go try and just get a quick high. <laughs> You guys, you guys just do whatever. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna huff some paint. I there is another CEO story, which uh, I don't know if I've told on this on this one before, or this podcast before. Uh, were you around when Kleagle just like straight up quit? Ooh, that was one of the greatest one the, the greatest instances. I don't think I was. So when I said like you, if you were on the right side, they would you, it would be awesome, and if you were on the wrong side, it would be horrible. And uh, there was so the guy's name is Blake Kleagle. He was a walk on wide receiver. Uh, talented guy, but I mean, as a walk, like you're never really going to climb up the ranks, especially when you got like Darius Reynolds, Darius Starks and Josh Lenz and guys like that, that you're just probably not going to play a lot. So his kind of his ceiling was special teams and he knew that, but he, he enjoyed being around it, but you're in like the middle of winter. Like it's like end of February where you're doing like sprinting drills. It wasn't a mat drills day where we've talked about that, where, you know, somebody punching somebody else. Uh, and we're doing the things where it's like a falling start where you put your toes on the, let's say the goal line and the first 10 people are going to start and you're going to kind of get up on your tiptoes and then you lean forward without taking a step until you get to appropriate sprinting angle, which is, you know, like 40, as, as steep as you can be. And then you start taking off in a sprint. Well, you know, there's a command of saying like set. And then when you start leaning, you have to go like, cause your feet are on they're They're at the same plane and then as you start leaning you're you're gonna fall over if you if you start uh so blake kliegel uh started before he should have 
and it's really obvious. Bad move. Bad move. And so everybody's standing and he starts leaning. And like <laughs> it was at this point that I knew <laughs> it's stuff. horrible because you can't stop. Like there's no way you cannot physics your way out of that situation, although he tried. So he did it. I th- he did it one time and CO kind of let him have get your you know back there or whatever. I don't even know if this is a profanity, but like I don't know if you're gonna have like it, it if you have kids in the car, this is like a sort of a time it's like earmuffs a little bit. Uh, so he does it one time. We go through another sprint, another round of them and goes to do it again. And he goes, what the bleep are you doing? You Jack Dick. Called him a Jack Dick. <laughs> Called him a Jack Dick. <laughs> At that moment, <laughs> Kliegel, it was the greatest thing that I've I ever seen. For this. It was the greatest thing that I've ever seen. So Kliegel, he's on where in the indoor, the where you come into the from, from the the locker rooms you come in on what would that be the south door on the east side of the building so we were on the northwest portion of the goal line so we had to go like a diagonal all the way across to get to the door seal calls him a jack dick he literally just starts slowly jogging to the door <laughs> we're in the middle of sprint drills. He just leaves. Like, CEO at that point is like, wait, what? And so he just <laughs> leaves. We'd finished the sprint drills. I've not seen Blake Klingel since. He literally just grabbed his shit, took his nameplate off the locker, and left. And he was never seen again. I'm sure he's doing... Blake, if you're listening to this, he's doing A+. Well. Plus. He, he, he's I, doing well. A+. Plus. That is the, the, the amount of shit that walk-ons take, for the most part, is really high. Like, you're getting beat up in practice. You're getting... You know, you're not as fast as other people. And even if you are, you're not getting credit for being as fast as other people. And so then you get called out in front of everybody, get called a jack dick, and you go, fuck this. Out. It was probably gone. super early in the morning too. So it's like, I don't want to be awake. <laughs> like you call me a jack dick at, at 545 in the morning. I don't got time for this, man. I'm it, out of here. It was, uh, it was the best power move that I, I mean, and how do you respond to that? Like guy literally just walks off and you're like, all right, well pick it back up go again. I wonder if CEO has called anybody else a jack dick sense or if he's like, that was the one that, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. I got a quick home people. Jack dick. <laughs> jack dick is one hair too far. I can, I might, can I might add that one to my repertoire. Jack dick. You jack dick. Oh man. It was great. I, again, I don't know if that is that even a profanity. It sort of feels like crap, you know, like it, it's uh, like it's, a jack wagon. Like what was it? What's a jack wagon? Right. Or if it calls somebody a dick, like it feels like a, like a, a CT or swear. I think, I think he meant it's to like say ass. jackass or just you dick. Yeah. But then he just dick. said, you jack dick. It was, again, I don't know that, but that is, I, I, that was the CO story that I remember the most. And the second CO story that I remember the most was, uh, I, again, I don't know why he didn't like me, but it was, we we're doing sprint drills and I'm big white guy in a group of running backs, which is very faster than me people. And so we're it, like the, they're over the high speed treadmills are the, the powered treadmills and they're running, you know, 17 and a half, 18 miles an hour. You're doing sprints at the end of practice or end of a lift. And I was doing well. And, uh, I, it's not like I was slow. I was just slow relative to James white. Like I was still upper four sixes in the 40, which is fast enough for a linebacker fullback. It's just not like James is four, four. So he's faster than I am. So they were at a higher speed. And so you'd go with the lower speed guys and then they would see, I would crank the, the treadmill up to like the slightly higher speed. And I was the last guy before the highest speed. So it was a couple of people before me were at like 17. I was at like 17 and a half. And then the group in front of me, the group behind me, like Chantrell and James white were like 18. And I finished my sprint at 17, five or whatever. And I look at see, I'm like, Hey, let me get 18. And he goes, Oh, why don't you coach then? Cause you're so smart. And <laughs> I have never felt smaller in my entire life and I was like I went to the back line like face flush red just sitting down being like I don't know what I did 
I don't know why this happened, but I feel like I need to go crawl into a hole and die. It's just almost like, yeah, just, just waiting for someone to talk. Like I'm ready to snap. And the first person that says something, I'm snapping. Yeah. And I, again, I, it felt like I didn't like, maybe he did, or he was, was neutral toward me, but I always, I always felt like he was, he didn't like me and I don't know why, but I mean, I'm an adult now. It doesn't really bother me that much. It's just like, man, what a life. At least he didn't call you a jack dick. He didn't call me a jack dick. Uh, <laughs> speaking of reminiscing though, the one other thing we want to get to before we get to Memphis thing. How many bowl games did you go to? Two. Played in the Inside Bowl in 2009 versus Minnesota. And the Golfers? The Golfers. And then uh, in 2011 in the Pinstripe Bowl versus the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, and then I went to I went to those same two, and then I did go to Liberty Bowl in uh, Memphis in 2012. And so I wore Liberty Bowl shirt. Turn that around. For those people in a podcast audience, A-plus silence right there. Um, the... We'll get more into it because I think we're, are we going to do it? We're doing an episode next week, right? TBD. Uh, that's Christmas. I mean, TBD. It's we'll, Christmas. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But um, we'll, we'll, like bowl games, what was your experience like in bowl games in like a, you know, we don't want to have a five-hour episode? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the the inside bowl first. Um, as a sophomore, you'd have been a, a freshman. Um, yep. Redshirt. Yeah, it was... You know, I I talk about this with with Leon. You know, it's interesting that Memphis is playing in their home stadium, and I would I would hate that. You know, we don't have a we don't have a bowl game in Ames, but if I were TCU playing in the Armed Forces Bowl, or whatever, I would hate that. Like part of the bowl game, part of the fun is to to play in a stadium you've never played in before, or you don't really play in that much, and ideally play in a, a nice warm climate weather. So in Arizona, it was it was great. Um, you know, typically the team gets there like a week or so before. Like I know the guys for Iowa State are leaving on Christmas Day on Monday for the for the game that's on what Thursday with the 29th, whatever it is. But for me, for Arizona, it was just it was awesome. I mean, it was it was a great. It was just a really fun a fun trip. I feel like everywhere we go, you 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 know you, you get there and then you get to your hotel room and they have a a, a bag like on, on on your bed. You've got a, a backpack with the swag, swag shoes, just shoes, sweats, shorts, all shirts, of, all socks. of which branded like the bowl game. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's literally where the shirt came from. Yeah. I and mean, this was, this shirt was the Liberty Bowl. Just like just sitting on the bed when you get there. Just like an excessive amount. So let me, let me actually back up for a second. Before you even leave for the game, you, you have a list of, you know, whoever the sponsor is. I can't remember who the sponsor was. It's Inside Bowl, but you had a list Inside. of. Inside.com. Yeah. yeah. I remember that was, it was a TV or you could pick a TV, a digital camera. Like a, a printer? A, a printer, printer a, a sound bar. A sound I think? system. Sound that's, system. That's I went with the sound system and then something else. And so you, you, you pick like your, your big item. And each bowl at the time, and I, I would imagine it's the same. Each bowl at the time had like a dollar limit on what you could do with that because, you know, amateurs. Uh, and it was like 500 bucks. And so you, that was all the bowl swag that you had to give, had to fit inside of that $500. And so some portion of this was allocated uh, towards you get to choose whatever thing that it was going to be. I actually think the digital camera was New York in 2011. Yeah, 2011. Um, but... Yeah, like you got to pick like something that you wanted to choose and you got to yeah fill out like, you know, on, an on paper form and turn it into Erica at the desk and say, this is what I want for my big bowl prize. Well, you didn't get that until after the game, but um, still cool to get that. And, then, and like I said, you get to the, the hotel and you've got all your swag in your bed and you got to, you know, go to practice that day or whatever. And as soon as you get to the, the high school you're at, I think we had another backpack that was full of goodies like Cheez-Its and um just different stuff, you know, snacks and Gatorades. And I was like, this is great. Like everywhere you go. Um, and we played at a high school field that the, the field is in just pristine condition. We met Larry Fitzgerald there. Yeah, so that was that cool. Was, that was really cool. Cause he coached. The reason why Larry Fitzgerald was there. One, he's playing for the Cardinals at the time Two, 
Coach Rhodes coached at Pitt when Larry Fitzgerald was at Pitt. Mm -hmm. So he was coming to say hi to Coach Rhodes, and then he just all of a sudden, you're, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. And this is also Larry Fitz in the height of being the greatest receiver in the NFL. Him and Calvin Johnson were at that time head and shoulders the best in the league. And you're like, oh, my God, it's Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, cause at that point, I you know I didn't really know. I don't think there was any Iowa State guys really in the NFL. I didn't really know any NFL guys. So I was like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, Larry Fitz, cool. Um, you, you do stuff throughout the week. Um, so, like, we mentioned, too, when Leon's on with us, that the first night you're there, that the, the like, may not be a curfew. The curfew is 2 o'clock. And then as the game gets closer, it you know, it's Yeah, it goes from 2 o'clock midnight, to midnight and 10 p.m. And, and, then, then, there's, and there's room checks. Yeah, and there's room, by the time you get there, room checks. Because the coach, I mean, I mean, if you think about it this way, like, the players and the co- you think you work hard as a player. The coaching staff, especially like the GAs and like the position coaches, that is a thankless job. I mean, they're there from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, and then they got to go recruit during the offseason, and then they're on the road for, you know, like what, 14 weeks in the spring and into the summer, and like they barely get time to be with their families. And you get a time, most of their families are going to be down there. And so you get a time to like, uh, you know, one of the, let's say one of the older coaches has a daughter or a son that's like, 15 and can watch some of the younger kids and like you and your you and your wife get to go out with your other coaches who you're really close with and just get a you also want a 2 a.m curfew like it's not just for us and so that was the cool you know it it is one of those things that like it feels like the appropriate prize at the end of a season that you had to work really hard for that's the thing that i remember the most about it is that like the feeling even you know regardless of which bowl game it was you know insight pinstripe and liberty all three of them that I was there were like, you know, it felt like you did something to get here every single time. And we're treated, you're treated like a, like a king, you know, like you've, you've got the, uh, um, what's it called? Like that, that lounge basically it has games all over and more snacks and Gatorades and stuff. You can just go and hang players lounge. I guess probably what it's called. Um, but like one of the events, I guess the only thing I really remember from Arizona, as far as like the events that we did, um, was, was go-karting cause I just love go-karting. So I remember going to this like, F1, you're going mm-hmm. super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, super fun, though. Um, anything else on Arizona? I remember Jake McDonough pushed me into a wall in that uh, in the go-kart when we were, like, he just knocked Dude, me into the wall because he's bully. also a human, a huge human. Yeah, he is. He's a huge human. Yeah. I, I think at the time he's, like, 330. DJJ Mac, baby. He, he is an exceptionally nice person. Yeah, he is. Ex- fan, the fan, the, he is who you want to be uh, for a cop. Yeah, he's, a, he's an Ankeny police officer. Yeah, he's exactly who you want as a cop. Like, he's just the nicest person. Just a big teddy bear. Yeah. Looks terrifying if you don't know him because he's sick. I bet he still benches 450. Uh, Jake McDonough's story. Now we're talking about him. He was my roommate freshman year. Yeah, he was my roommate my freshman year. How's that possible? We weren't roommates. Yeah, you were a year older than I was. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so, Jake. Jake is, you know, at that time, probably what, 250 and I'm above mm-hmm. 49. Yeah. My girlfriend at the time had made me a cake and for my birthday mm-hmm. and me, Geyer, Dakota and Jake were all roommates. Well, we all had a piece of cake and I told Jake, Hey man, like help yourself. So he had, you know, we all had a slice and we went to bed, woke up the next day or maybe it was like later in the night. Cake was gone. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Where's the cake at? Going to Jake's room, pans cleaned out and I just ripped him apart. I'm like, dude, that was my cake. My girlfriend made it for me. My birthday. Blah, blah. He was so scared. He went and slept with the neighbors. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't like, you're like two and a half you times could, bigger than I am. You like you could throw you could me through me, a like, window. Yeah. So that's one Jake McDonough story. But the second one too, is he had, he really struggled to gain weight his freshman yeah, year. I, that, I was in the back half of that. It was, so, so he would, it was incredible. Yeah. But he, he would eat like two boxes of Mac and cheese and just smother it in ketchup as a snack. 
Well, come to find out, he's lactose intolerant, so he's and gluten sensitive. Yeah, like so he developed celiacs and and gluten celiacs and lactose sensitivity at the same time. And I remember he was that wasn't diagnosed until he was living with me. So yeah. so he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't keep so it like, down, and, and so he wasn't gaining and, weight. And when you don't know what's going on, I mean, for people that have been through it, like you don't know what's going on. You it's really hard, especially at that was two thousand nine. Like you don't at that point, it's food sensitivities are a much lower like societal thing that people know about. Ah, your granola. Yeah, and like imagine you know not knowing what's going on, and what what would you go to that's like something that's just easy on your stomach? Bowl of cereal. All right can't have grain you can't have milk and you go for a bowl of cereal like that's what he would have in the morning and so he was like he lost i think he at one point he got up to like 290 i think he lost like 40 pounds in like but then because he's he's you know he's i guess i'm not trying to spill all the tea with jake but because he's not able to keep any of that down and and, and gain weight he's weak and so, yeah. he's, so he's so he's he's not looking Getting good in practice, the weight not, room, yeah yeah and coach is like what's wrong with you blah, blah blah so glad he got it figured out but yeah jake mcdonough side tangent for yep. everyone Again, nicest person in the world. Hi, Jake, if yeah. you're listening. Hey, buddy. Hello, Jake. Um, anything else about Arizona that, that you remember that you want to talk about? Uh, I, the only thing that I remember about Arizona is that, like, uh, as such a nice reprieve from being in Iowa. Oh, God, yeah. Like, was. going – that I, that's still the only time that I've been to Arizona because, we, for whatever reason, just haven't been back. But, like, the weather in December in Arizona, when you're used to Iowa in December, is just A+. Plus. And the other two bowl games – were in New York and Memphis. So that was the only one that was like truly a warm weather destination. So I remember that one a little bit more fondly. It's also the only one that we won. Mm -hmm. So like that one has the best fuzzies to it, but it wasn't necessarily the best, you know, like the bowl experience was great at all three. Yeah. And New York was the only, only other one I played in the pinstripe bowl. Um, that one was really cool because, you know, we, we got to, I think I'd mentioned this before, but it was a players only yacht that kind of cruised around whatever bay that is and, and looked at the Statue of Liberty we got to go to the Empire State Building, um, take a look at that. Went to Ground Zero where 9-11 was. That was one of the most powerful moments that I've ever yeah. experienced, going to the Ground Zero, especially with your teammates. Yeah. Um, uh, the Another thing I remember, like sentimentality, so it's actually Chris Hassel was part of this. So I, uh, I snuck two baseball gloves and a baseball like under my sweatshirt because we, we took our team photo at the at Yankee Stadium. So we got like a little mini tour through Yankee Stadium. And I snuck two baseball gloves and a baseball under my sweatshirt or under my jacket, whatever it was. Um, and then they had you, I don't remember if we were dressed or if we had to go dress or whatever, but I remember bringing them on the field. And so I played catch a Yankee stadium with Jake, not, and then Chris Hassel was like, dude, that is, that is, can I have, can I use, you know, can I throw, just play catch with you for a bit. So I played catch with Hassel and played catch with, uh, uh, Jake, not at Yankee stadium with the, and then just put them under my, like under my seat when I was taking the team photo. So like, I think Jared Barnett too. So like, it was just, you know, that was a really cool, I, I look back on that bowl with much more fond memories than I had when I was there because the downside on that bowl is that New York traffic makes everything a lot harder and Brutal. finding, finding a practice field that you can use. Like we ended up doing it at Hofstra, which is technically in New Jersey and going, taking two buses through New York at not, any, at any not time. just through New York, but we, we were in Times Square. Yeah, you're in Times Square. Man, like just south, what, yeah, just south of Times Square? It was like maybe two or three blocks south of Times Square. And so like getting buses to travel to a football field that you could actually use, the logistics of that were insane. And so it was like an hour and a half each way because you're sitting in traffic. And so I remember we watched a ton of movies. On, oh. the, on the way there, on the way back, you watch a ton of movies. I watched the same Kevin Hart stand-up. I'm almost on the same bus every time. I'm like, put a different... 
<laughs> I've, I know what's coming. I know what this joke is. So I saw Kevin Hart stand up. Whatever. I think it was we like watched four times. Remember the Titans was one of them. I don't remember what the other movies were, but you must have been on the defensive bus. I don't, yeah, I just kind of got tossed. Just I was sitting on the bottom of the bus, under the bus. There's yeah, he was no just with the me. helmets. Yeah, get in the bottom of the bus while the pads are. Um, but no, New York was cool. Um, the game itself, I was, I, I was kind of indifferent about it because, like I said, all the experiences I felt like were really cool. But then the game itself, one, it had like snowed or rained or something a couple the days field before. Sucked. Field sucked. Well, it, the field, not the, the field generally, like the, in the outfield, it felt like a normal field. But where it the was where they was. covered the infield dirt with grass, that was really loose. And so you go to cut and it would just, you'd fall over. You got to plan it. on a kickoff and you slide like three, four inches. And yeah, I mean, the same, the same. And I remember we had a touch, a kick return touchdown. Jarvis West uh, had a kick return touchdown. Yeah, I got did. called back from a bad holding. Um, but anyway, that it, I scored a touchdown in that game too. That was fun. There you go. Um, but uh, then Liberty Bowl, Liberty Bowl felt more like New York without the New York as far as like it was kind of like 45 and rainy most of the time. So the weather wasn't awesome uh, and the traffic was a little bit better. But the feeling of like you were, you know, treated like a king every place. I remember in the Liberty Bowl and I, be I bet they've done it this every year is they have uh, a sing off and they have a rib eating competition nice. that you nominate like one or two players from each team to like do like head to head at like one, like the event that you have with the other team. And uh, I think Tufty and Hayworth were the two nominees for us. And then I don't remember who those two linemen they had. Uh, Tufty and Hayworth wiped the floor with them as far as rib eating. Heavy. And heavy. And then uh, I don't remember who it was for for them. And then the sing competition, who, Sean, Sean Trell got up play? there. Who'd you guys play? Uh, Memphis, or uh, Tulsa. Tulsa, yeah. yeah. And uh, then Sean Trell did the singing. Uh, for us, so that's what propelled his singing career. I mean, Chantrell, dude, can, dude's got some pipes. He does. Uh, so that I mean, that was that was fun. I, the the Beale Street is really cool, and I remember there was a it was Ryan. So here's a, a Beale Street. Someone puked on a table story. Uh, so Beale Street. The other the logistics of a bowl game are that you have you can fly you fly there with a the team and fly home with a team, or you can fly one of those legs that they'll pay for either let's say you're like Leonard Johnson lives in Florida. He could fly from Florida to Memphis and then he would have to go back with the team or pay for his own flight to go back to Florida. Or he could fly from Ames to Memphis and then Memphis to Florida. Cause it's still like in the middle of winter break. So I live in Des Moines. So I, I would just, I could ride with the team down on the front side. And then I just stayed a few days in the backside because it has to be within like a two or three day window or something like that. So I stayed for New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, uh, and we went out on New Year's Eve with Ryan Gent and his brothers, and brothers, girlfriends, fiancés, whatever, I don't remember at, at what the relationship stage was at the time, and came back, had, it was a hotel ballroom where they were staying, or hotel bar where they were staying, and uh, had several by the time the night got, got by, and I generally don't like to get to the point where like the world starts to go sideways, so like I kind of cut myself off, had, you know, some lemonade, some water instead of, you know, continuing, and then we get to this hotel bar and Ryan's brother, I don't remember, I think it was Danny, but did, couldn't, I mean, did not, didn't have a governor. Like he mm -hmm. was on vacation without the kids and ordered a shot. Lights are on, no one's home. <laughs> order a round of tequila shots for everybody. Didn't order, didn't have him bring chasers. And I, I mean, I did the, uh, like pick it up and then put it back down. Cause I'm like, I don't want a straight tequila shot with no chasers, man. Like, no, thanks. Uh, he threw it back and then like made eye contact with somebody Three seconds later, and then oh. just on the table. And it was one of those things like, I and the night's over. All right, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> Let's clean this up. Let's get you to your room, bud. 
So that's the uh, the Beale Street. Beale Street got the best of one of uh, Ryan's brothers. That's I do recall that. Yeah, I never got to experience Beale Street, but it looks great. I got to experience whatever it was um, in Arizona. Mill Ave? I don't remember. Whatever it was. That was super sweet, though. That was fun. Um, but bowl games are always fun. Um, so we are going to welcome in Leon Taylor here with uh, Go Tigers 247. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Memphis football, um, and then we'll be back to wrap things up. And now we welcome in Leon Taylor with Go Tigers 247, which is uh, Memphis's 247 affiliate. Leon, how are you? Doing great, man. How you guys doing today? We're doing well. We appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast with us as we talk some Cyclone football versus Memphis Tigers football. Um, I'm just going to dive right into it. So bowl season is, is it's, it's unique in that, you know, a lot of guys opt out. Um, Iowa State, we haven't seen anybody opt out for Iowa State just yet. May see one, um, but I do know that Memphis has had a few guys already announced that they are opting out. Can you um, just let us know, I guess, and, and the listeners know, who of the, the Memphis Tigers have already opted out for the bowl game? And are there anybody else that you could be expecting uh, to opt out? Uh, we had two guys recently. One um, just transferred over to, I think that was Ole Miss, uh, Pouncey. And so going forward now, I mean, got another guy just uh, announced that he was going to the NFL. It's still, a, it's still undecided if he's going to actually play. In the bowl game, but right now we, we're still pretty strong and, and on the offensive line. So uh, going forward, I think uh, Seth Hennigan, he's going to have a tough time with you guys because lately they uh, the Tigers have allowed a lot of sex, and that's why these these games have been some some, some shootouts as far as scoring wise, and uh, it's going to be interesting because I mean they've been solid as far as protecting the the, the running back on, on, on offense, but as far as like self has been kind of inconsistent. So this should be interesting. And, and both those guys you mentioned, those are both offensive linemen. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And okay. is that pounce is, is pouncy related to the, the pouncy twins by chance? I mean, an offensive lineman named pouncy, like you just have to ask. <laughs> I know. Right. I, I even asked at the same time when I first met him, but no, there's, there's no relation. Oh, just coinc- coincidental. It's just yeah. coincidental. Um, yeah. Wh- so, getting a chance to to like look into Memphis a little bit and it's, you can't go back and rewatch like all their games. But one of the things you kind of notice when you look at the scores throughout the year and kind of the statistics that they've kind of compiled, there's a shitload of points that Memphis scores. They also give up a decent amount of points, but I mean, you're they're seventh in the country in points. I mean, 30, what, 37 points a game, 39 points a game, something like that. Uh, yes, sir. At the same time, when you look at teams like that, where, you know, in the big 12, you look at Oklahoma and they run like a zillion plays a game, right? O- Oklahoma, I think they averaged like 87 plays a game or something like that. Well, Memphis is only like 33rd in the country in total snaps, but they're seventh in scoring. What that says to me is that they're a team that has a fair number of explosive plays, but they also don't really waste opportunities. So it's not like they're going to be, you know, 70 yard bombs all over the place. It's just that they're not going to turn it over much and not going to punt much. Is that an accurate read of this offense in that they're just generally efficient and generally explosive? Absolutely. And, and this about this, this part of the progress with Ryan Silverfield over the years, the offense, a lot of people in the beginning of the season, they were complaining saying how basic the offense was. But when you look at, what you just explained, I mean, the progress, the scoring, I mean, the staying in games with competition like Missouri, like that was a close game with a top 20 team. So going forward, they, they've been they've been up and down. But I think that was part of Seth Hennigan's uh, injury where he was struggling with his shoulder. He really couldn't throw downfield. So the offense was kind of staggered. But yet 
they were still scoring points with running back Blake Watson also running. I mean, they have a high-powered offense that a lot of people are not used to because we don't have any NFL guys that are just for sure stars. But this year we have guys like Rock Taylor at receiver. Uh, I mean, it just it, another example I just mentioned was Blake Watson, who was a thousand-yard rusher this season, who's a transfer from Old Dominion. So the offense is pretty, pretty, pretty much exactly what you explained. It's just high-powered, but at the same time, it can be staggering on, against certain defenses. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, like I. I don't want to say necessarily it's like run and gun in that it's just all offense, but like, so <laughs> this is a wild statistic. Memphis has only been held under 35 points four times and they're one in three in those games. So basically the, the mark would be like, if you can get the 35 first and keep them under 35, then you can win that game. Is that just a, a mechanism of the teams that they've played? Like, I, I don't want to say like every statistic, you know, if, if a guy hits, 180 against left-handers but the only left-hander that he's pitched against or hit against is randy johnson like yeah you're probably not going to do well so it doesn't mean the statistic is totally accurate is it does it feel like in games where they struggle on offense the defense can't pick them up because that you know again looking you can't really tell exactly uh, what you're getting into without watching like true game film but it feels like the offense drives the bus and the defense is around to help the win, but the defense can't win the game by themselves so far this season. Oh, that's very accurate. And that's why a lot is is riding on uh, the quarterback self to help win the game. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't ever want to sit out. Even if he has an injury, that guy's going to fight to help the Tigers try to get a, get a win because he knows that it could possibly be a struggle, you know, to say, Hey, let's put the game uh, on the defense. That's not going to happen. I mean, sometimes the Tigers' front seven could be very terrible as far as, like, tackling. And they've gotten better as games have gone ahead recently. I mean, the record is, is pretty good. But you think about the games that they lost to, like, SMU and Missouri, it, it could have been a better outcome. It could have been a better situation where fans could have been more comfortable. You know, we, we're, we're looking at that we're playing in a bowl game, but fans are not really just – excited because they feel like it could have been more and it's this part of the nature of the beast you're not going to always please fans but this offense is it, <laughs> really? it's, it's, it's balanced now but at the same time this defense as much as people like to you know i, I think i heard you curse but shit shit on this shit on this team man yeah go ahead go ahead we, we got the e-tag <laughs> it, it, on there it's crazy good. man and ryan silverfield catches a lot of heat and he recently made a uh uh, 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 a tweet where he was basically saying like you guys wanted me here you begged me to stay here now you're ready for me to get fired so you, you just can't win in this battle but at the same time numbers don't lie and that's what he has going for him the numbers don't lie you're, you're playing another bowl game you're playing against great competition and Iowa State we have a lot of respect for you guys nobody's saying that this competition is, is a weak bowl game everybody knows that they have a potential to lose this game, even in, in, on the home field advantage, you know, it, a lot, a lot is at stake right now. So it, it's going to be an interesting battle against you guys. So you had kind of mentioned, you know, fans are, are a little indifferent about the head coach. Um, one thing that's, I guess, kind of unique about this bowl game is that Memphis is playing in their home stadium. So how, how do, you know, how, how do the fans and how do the, the players feel about that? Because we both played at Iowa state and 
I mean, I would have hated to play in, in a bowl game. To, one, be, to be fair, it's in Ames. It, it won, in the winter. One, yeah, in, in Ames in the winter. But <laughs> so I, I want it to be warmer, so fine. But not just that. I think I would, have, I would have liked to have played in a stadium that I just played in. Like, you know, if, if we were playing in a bowl game, like the Armed Forces that's in TCU Stadium. I, I guess the, one of the enjoying parts about bowl games is that, is that you're going to a, hopefully a different part of the country that you don't ever get to play to or, or you know, play in. And ideally somewhere that's warm. But uh, Memphis is, it'll be, it'll be fine, but... Memphis being the home team, how, how do they feel? You know, you can you can sleep in your own bed at night the night before the game. You know, it's funny that you asked this because I actually ran into one of the players that plays on defense. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, we were just talking at the Memphis versus Clemson game, and they're excited about playing home, but realistically, they'd rather be somewhere else, like you mentioned. But there are incentives are being playing at home. You get a chance to have your family here, and then – you know, on the other end, the university can do a little bit more because they say they're saving so much money true. as far as yeah. going out. So, I mean, those there are center packages for these guys to remain because they already know there's a lot of risk trying to keep players nowadays to play in a bowl game. You got guys want to go, go pro or far as transfer. So you got to make it sexy for these guys to say. So, I, I mean, they, they're pretty much happy about playing home because you got the you got the fans here you got a lot of support and it's, it's a big advantage and then you get the luxury of what the city will give to you just because you're here you know outside of course it's going to look better but the auto zone bowl game has always been historic and it's, it's been a privilege so these guys know the history and understand that playing at home you know it's a privilege but also they would love to play say for example if it was in atlanta or florida because just the party life of a bowl game is just is, is, is unexplainable amen man i mean that the, the great thing is is when we were playing uh like your first night you get there like it's usually you get there like seven days out like day one that you're there you check into the hotel There's and no like curfew. your curfew is like if the if there is a Show curfew it's like 2 a.m <laughs> so exactly like, especially is, if you're a senior they let you is, live your life yeah if you're 18 <laughs> like you have to fight you have to have a good fake i mean not that anyone would have a fake id but like you, you have to have a good fake to go out and you know do something because you're going to be like you know, there's a football player. You can you can tell they don't they don't just they, they don't blend into the crowd very well. But yeah, like that's that's kind of the fun part about it. So I just didn't know if there was like you know if they were there, do they still get to do that, or do you still feel like hey, Mrs. Smith, like you're gonna be walking on Beale Street or something like that, and you know run into your professor because you're around there. My professors typically go out on yeah on Beale Street <laughs> on on a Monday night. Yeah, man, honestly, these guys. Are, are, are a great group, group of guys who really are like business minded, but at the same time, they're gonna have their fun. So I almost say they, they're doing their thing, but 2 a.m., uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one, but definitely doing their thing, get prepared and, you know, just having, having fun being a college student, man. You know, huh? you guys say you played and stuff, and I know you guys understand how important that last ride is to these guys. You know, you're getting a chance to, spend that time with your brothers one last time and you always want to go out with a bang. So they're, they're definitely mentally focused for what's at stake. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so you, you had talked about, you know, the quarterback Seth Hennigan. So he's thrown for, you know, the, 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 the 12th most yards in, in, in the country, you know, just for reference, Dylan Gabriel was eighth, uh, Drake may of North Carolina was 10th and uh, Rocco who's Iowa State's quarterback was 44th. He also rushed 88 times for 247 yards. So it looks like he is a, a dual threat quarterback. Um, but what I really want to touch on was, was the, the, the receivers uh, for Memphis. So you mentioned Rock Taylor, number three. So he led the Tigers in receiving at uh, nine, 987 yards. 
So for reference here, he was just above Xavier Worthy for Texas. Um, but Rock only had four touchdowns. There's also another good receiver um, that you guys have, uh, Demir uh, Blankum, Blankumsey. Is that his last name? Yes, sir. Uh, Toledo transfer. Uh, he, he had 825 yards and led the team um, with six uh, receiving touchdowns. But then there's another guy who is familiar to Iowa State fans uh, who is just behind Demir in receiving touchdowns uh, with uh, baby Joe Skates with uh, with five touchdowns. So can you talk about the just the receivers for us uh, in Memphis? Because it so- kind of sounds like you mentioned, obviously, the running back is a 1,000-yard rusher, and we, we can talk on him, but he's too. But he's got 1,500 yards total from scrimmage. So like he's a 1,000-yard rusher, but he's also got 500 yards receiving. So that dude is – it feels like he is the offense, and then you hang everything else off of him. But the receivers are interesting, yeah, especially because Skates being a – you know, a guy that everyone was really excited and just for it just for whatever reason didn't pan out up here. Yeah, and and and, and Blankham C and, and, and Rock Taylor are both averaging over sixteen yards of reception. So, you know, Jeff's already kind of touched on that earlier on. But can you just kind of talk about the receiving game um, for Memphis and kind of I guess kind of their uh, th- their approach to the game? Are they more of a uh, a pass first team or, or a run first to open up the pass? Man, I get excited talking about the offense because they caught a lot of heat in the beginning of the year. But when you watch the team and you see the progress. They're underrated receivers. Like, you just start off with Rock Taylor. As you mentioned, he doesn't have a lot of touchdowns, but he's such a playmaker where he he's that guy who's going to get that first down. You know, he's a big receiver with great hands, and he's not from Memphis. He's from Mississippi. So he's one of those, you know, big-time country guys who was headed to uh, the SEC. He was going to go play at Tennessee, but things didn't work out. So now he's at Memphis making a name for himself. And it was at one point where we felt like we was going to lose him. You know, we felt like he was going to instantly jump in, you know, to the portal and go get paid somewhere else. But luckily he's still here. He's getting ready for the bowl game. And he's he's that big-time receiver. Like mentioned, he doesn't have a lot of touchdown catches. But, I mean, if you need a first down, a big play, that's the playmaker. He's a good and guy, huh? Skates is, is like that as well. I mean, that guy, he's just – He's a playmaker where he's very reliable. I can see him making the NFL, you know, even if he doesn't get drafted, he's going to be on somebody's roster. He's just that good. And, and then he's so he's explosive. Like, That's the thing. Right. You, 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 I mean, you, you just, saw that. I mean, he jumps off the page when it jumps off the film when you watch, even when he's at Iowa State, whether or not he was in, like, whether, I just might not have been the right fit for him, but man, that dude was an athlete, is, is an athlete. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I have to say that they are, a pass first team. They like to, they make the, they like to make the big plays. You know, sometimes they are gamble, and it's, and to me, that's sometimes where the interceptions will come in. That with Seth likes to force things sometimes, and sometimes it's not even him. It's sometimes the receivers. You know how plays go when they touch the ball, and then just because they touched it, but then put both hands on it, man, it's a play for the DB, and the next thing you know, they taking it to the house. And we've had them situations that, and it, it, it's not always Seth. Sometimes it's the receiver. It just so happens, you know, when the stats, they're going to put it on mm-hmm. him. Yeah, every, every, no matter whether it's the quarterback's fault, an interception is an interception on the quarterback. Um, there is one other Iowa State connection that uh, I think it, fans would be interested in. Well, two, but one, one's a Campbell connection. One's an Iowa State connection. Uh, well, the offensive line coach is... Well, the, there's three because the head coach coached under Campbell at Toledo. Yeah, okay. So the one I was going to get to, the offensive line coach is Jeff, Jeff Myers, Myers. Yeah, who yeah. was Iowa State's offensive line coach last year. Um, has if You mentioned, I mean, this this offense is insane as far as scoring. Again, I think it's 37 points a game. Uh, have you been able to interact much with Myers? And like, what is the, you know, it, I, you always hope that 
a guy can land on his feet somewhere else. And it seems like he's done that. I don't know if you've been able to interact much with him to see kind of like how he's, you know, like in Memphis and, you know, obviously succeeding well. Interacting with him, but I've always been observing, you know, you just love his energy and the guys really uh, come around him where they just, they look up to him. You know, when he talks, they listen. So he's that type of guy where he can lead by example and they follow. So you love that about him and you're happy to have him on the staff to hear so much praise from you guys. It lets me know that he's done that everywhere you go. So he's on. He's only going to go up the ladder eventually. So he's done a great job, and it's been a great addition. Yeah, he's, he's just a young. I mean, he's a young guy, and I think that was just sort of like a, like a. He was sort of the center of a shitstorm, which may or may. I, I don't think he was really, you know, too much at fault with it. But you have a level of success you expect from the offense, and then that doesn't happen. But then there's all sorts of other stuff going on you know, like somebody has to go somewhere and he just sort of ended up being the one that, you know, he, he caught the straight bullet, but it, it, it's the, you know, I, I don't think anybody disliked Jeff Myers. I think they really enjoyed having him around. He just, you know, again, sort of like skates. It's just like a, a situation that didn't fit, but um, there were a couple other Iowa state ties. Yeah. So the, the head coach um, for, for Memphis, I, I can't recall his name, but he, he coached under uh, Campbell at Toledo Um I, to be honest, I don't really know much about the coach, but can you tell us kind of what, uh, you know, what his philosophy is? Because I know, you know, Coach Campbell, obviously with Coach Campbell coach teams, we are, you know, Iowa State is really good on defense and our offense is, is coming around. We're a really young team this year. But just as Toledo as a whole, and before we trans transition to the defensive side of the ball, you know, what kind of what kind of team are they? Where, where do they hang their hat? Is it is it mostly, you know, the the offense and just kind of the, the, the air raid and the, the high-powered offense? Or, you know, what what can we expect from this Memphis team? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I had a, a little technical difficulty. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. I, I was just, I was just kind of want to know. That question was 16 minutes long. Yeah, it sure was. Um, just put my my best impression of Jeff Woody here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just, I just want to know. You know what? I guess the head coach for Memphis. Where, where does he hang his hat? Is, is it on that on the offense and just a high powered offense, or you know, is he is he you know more special teams guy? Is he defensive guy? You know, tell us more about this about this head coach for for Memphis. He's not a one one sided person. I think he's pretty much spread it across the board. You know, of course, offense first, but he definitely takes pride in, in, in uh, special teams because you look at it like our kickers have been pretty pretty good lately, and it's it's something that we try to keep going. You know, we got guys in the NFL, and that's something that we try to sell in recruitment. So I think uh, Coach Silverfield has done a great job. It's just been a hands-on guy with everybody you know if you ever just watch his practice he's in he's in every huddle he doesn't always just step in like some guys he lets his assistant coaches do their thing as well and that's what you pretty much like about this team is the structure like it's really family oriented at the same time coach Silverfield gets the best out of his guys like uh, he might cut, catch a lot of heat from fans but the players love him and it's also showing in recruitment as locally he's been picking up some some good guys in uh, the city of Memphis, and he's also working outside of Memphis, where he has a one of the top quarterbacks in uh, Texas coming, uh, Mr. Uh, Arrington. Uh, he's a six-two quarterback, dual-threat quarterback, and I mean he's doing a great job. Like he's really building his team up the right way. So I think Memphis is very lucky to have him so far. That's good. So there, there's there's one more thing I want to ask you about before we uh, you know really get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, so on defense, I, I know Memphis is, you know, offense is, you know, we've talked about this offense is what's, you know, what this team is known for, but on defense, um, 
it looks like the, the two linebackers are, you know, lead the team in, in, in tackles. Chandler Martin, number 11, and then Jeffrey Canton, uh, Arku, number nine. Uh, they lead the team both in tackles and forced fumbles. And it looks like Martin has two interceptions and one taken back for a touchdown. So are those two guys kind of really the catalyst for the defense, or are there other guys on the defensive side of the ball that, you know, we should be keeping keeping our eyes out for uh, as, as the two teams battle? Man, those two guys are the ones who are going to go get it. Like like mentioned, Martin, he, he's, a, he's a great playmaker. He's always going to make something happen. And then you mentioned our guy who's forcing the fumbles. I mean, I mean, it's just the the linebackers really carry the team on defense. Honestly, like our de- defensive backs, you know, no disrespect to those guys, they they do some things, but they they can be a casualty sometimes. But it's been like that for years in the secondary. It's crazy, but that's been one of the weaknesses of the defense for for a long time. So when, that's why when we had these games where. You got 38 to 35. That, that's that's a big portion of that, and so the linebackers they they doing a great job of stopping the run, and also kind of helping out you know helping out with the with the defensive back. So I w- I would definitely say they are the catalyst of the defense. Now, when you look at the Memphis defense, have they been susceptible to to big plays? You know, are they are they strong in the pass? Are they strong in the run? Or you know, what's kind of their strength and weaknesses? We like like mentioned, we, we uh they're they're definitely struggling uh, in the game uh a pl- if it go against a quarterback who likes to air it out he's going to get a chance to get you know make play Ooh, so you're saying but at the same time that, they're pretty balanced <laughs> <laughs> you know as far as the run wise uh running backs have definitely had some career highs on these guys i mean you go back to in, in the early portion of, of the season it was a struggle so i mean they, they eventually got better at tackling but at the same time, you just never know what you're going to get with these guys. That's why mm. it's always been the self-Hennigan show. You know, they go as far as he goes. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, kind of the scores are reflected. I mean, the, this, Memphis has scored upwards in the 50s in a decent number of games, in the 40s a good number of games, but they've also given up in the 30s and 40s a good number of games, and there's been track meets for a decent amount of them. But now the offense and defense are out of the way. So our listeners may know, but so... Grant was a kicker, uh, still an athlete, but peak athletic form. Always have been an athlete. And I, as a, if you were to total up all the snaps that I took, played running back, but most of the snaps that I played were on special teams. Let's talk about the important part of the game, which is you mentioned, you brought up kickers. Kickers have been doing a decent job for the end of the year. Special teams as a whole, if you would give them a letter grade, what would you give the letter grade for the special teams unit for Memphis? Oh, I mean... They've been pretty good. I'm gonna have to give these guys a B plus. All right. Oh shit. Right. Leon, okay. 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 Well, uh, uh, let's dive into it a little bit though. Here, Leon, we got um, so the field goal kicker. So Seth Morgan started out the year. He's a Sam Houston transfer. He started the year three for five in the season, but then Tanner Gillis took over versus Missouri, and he's eight of eleven on the year. So, what happened there? Man, consistency has been been a thing with these guys. I think it's just a confidence. More so, it's not the talent. It's just more so confidence, you know. And sometimes these guys, they, they take it so serious to where they face game. And I think after a while, it, it became balanced. So going forward, he's been doing a great job. You know, like you said, he, it was a split duty. And we got some solid guys. That's why I, I can't give them an A because you look at the stats. If it was an A, they've been perfect. So nobody's perfect in this game. But at the same time, they've been good. So that's why I give them a B plus. All right. Uh, now, punting is punt game. Uh, the thing with with Memphis offense, again, they score a zillion points and they don't really turn it over that much. So I would imagine you don't see the punter a lot. 
one, is that true? And two, if there, if that is, what is the punter, the punt team working with? Is it someone that because they don't use him much that he's not very good? Like, what is the the punt unit uh, when you do see him? And honestly, it's it's no disrespect to the punter. It's more so, Coach Silverfield is a gambler. He likes he likes to go for the big play. So that's part of the reason why they don't really punt that much. They like to gamble. They're going for the fourth downs, you know. So um, that's 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 big part of the reason. And the punt punt team though, they're still pretty solid. They haven't really put Memphis in any bad positions when it's before it's when it's time to punt the ball. And we haven't really had guys to really fumble the ball as far as receiving the punts. So they've been pretty balanced in special teams. That's why I said, like, Memphis overall special teams as far as punt and uh, kicking field goals, we've been pretty solid, D-plus. These guys honestly sound like the opposite of Iowa. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't gamble. <laughs> the direct inverse, yeah. They don't gamble uh, much. I guess they, they do gamble yeah, much. Memphis they, gambles. They don't punt. Their defense is shaky. They score points. It's a direct inverse of Iowa. Yeah, fuck <laughs> Iowa. Uh, this is going to be a high-powered offensive game, I'm telling you. Uh, it's going to be a shootout. That's fun. That's why when you guys come, make sure you get you some good barbecue. Aiden? So let's let's, let's talk about that, Leon. Okay, so, yeah, so, yeah, we so got to. So listeners, I, I, let's dive into it. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to be on there. I got a, a four-week-old baby at home, so a little bit of a weird trip if you're to take it. Man, congratulations today, bro. Thank you. Thank you. So it's a little bit of a weird trip, so we're going to pass on this bowl game. We catch other bowl games down the road. And uh, Grant's too cheap. I am. I'm, I'm frugal, and I enjoy watching the game at home. And that, but Aiden's going to be down there. So, Aiden, you are going to be going down to Memphis. Leon, for for Aiden and the uh, the Cyclone faithful, what uh, I've been when we went down there last time, wearing a Liberty Bowl shirt, went to Rendezvous, got some ribs at Rendezvous. But what what places do Iowa State fans need to go to if they haven't been to already for food? Okay, you got this one place on Beale Street called the Blue Play Cafe. It sits right at the light, right in front of BB Kings. I mean, man, you got the best fish and ribs all in mm. one spot. Mm. Nice mm. fish uh, and ribs. I mean, we they, to, they have the they have that whole meal set up just like that fish and ribs. You got your coleslaw with your baked beans. Man, you like you sitting there. You're gonna be stuffed going home. You're gonna have a to go play too. That's good. I one thing that like Memphis is. It's funny because it's not that far of a drive. I think it's like nine or ten hours from Des Moines. Uh, but it's like, you're officially in the South. Like when you go to Memphis and I have relatives that live in Atlanta and just the food is better in the South, like sweet tea is better. Uh, things that like, if you were to try and get fried green tomatoes up here in Iowa, you're going to get just one slapped just cause no one's going to do that. But two, if you're going to get them, it's going to be terrible. So you go down there, it's like fried green tomatoes. You have like catfish, okra, like there's actually like so much better food down in the South. Uh, so like if you were to want to get some like true Southern cuisine, where are you going? Oh, Southern cuisine? Like Southern comfort. Southern comfort. Um, let me think on that one. Uh, Southern cuisine, Southern comfort. I want to say... I'm putting you on the spot. Put, yeah, that's, yeah that's you put me on the spot, spot on that one because it's like Southern comfort food. Golly, that's a tough one. Man. And if it's if, if the answer <laughs> no, is barbecue, you just, get barbecue. Right, right. Uh, I'll probably say BB King, man. Southern Comfort for sure. Yeah, BB King is right across the street. Yeah, BB. So King. Leon, I, I used to live in Texas, and so there's you know good barbecue down there as well too. And, and you know what people had said in Texas was what really differentiated the different barbecue spots was the sides. So 
for you, what differentiates, you know, the, the best barbecue spots in Memphis or is it all good and just go wherever you want? It's all delicious. I mean, it, it's, it's the texture of the meat, like rendezvous to me is undefeated. It's just so tender. That's you go spot, down there. Huh? The thing with Rendezvous that is impressive, and for those Iowa State fans that haven't been down there, is when you walk down, it's like you walk, I think it's down the stairs, right? Or it's either way, you're walking in, and just like the rack of ribs that you can see smoking, like there is not, I mean, you just, it's jaw dropping how impressive it is just watching the, the, being able to see the meat that you're going to be able to get that's just slow smoked for a long time. Rendezvous is unreal. Absolutely. And it's like, it's kind of crazy, but it's almost like it's in an alley. But when you walk in, it's like, it's very like, it's got some historic things going on because it's just, you know, so much has been through there. And it's just far as like, far as Memphis, when you speak of Memphis barbecue, they're up there. And then, I mean, you also got uh, Corky's barbecue. Corky's barbecue also has great fish. It's, it's a nice spot where you want something to go far as where you got the drive through line. And it's on a Poplar Avenue, so it's it's close to the hotel. So Memphis overall, you got some great spots. Oh, and uh, when you said some back was in Soulfish Cafe, there we Ooh, go. There we go. Okay, Soulfish Cafe. So one last question for you, Leon, on on Beale Street. So our producer Aiden White just he just graduated from uh from Iowa State this last Friday. Uh, he has been known to ride mechanical bulls. Is there a spot on Beale Street? that um has a mechanical bull that aiden can can saddle up on yeah we got this place called coyote ugly hey yo there you go aiden i'm there hey, you ready i know that <laughs> hey, i know that they struck a nerve we ready <laughs> we got hey, we, we ready for you man can't come wait on. gonna be do- gonna be down there for christmas go ride a mechanical bull on christmas come on aiden if you see a shirtless man that kind of looks like blake group you riding a mechanical bull it's aiden wyatt okay got you got you and i'm gonna make sure he's good out here perfect well, hey, Leon, we appreciate your time. We'll, we'll let you go, and we, uh, you know, we hope we see a, a good game here on December 29th between the, the Cyclones and the Tigers. So thank you again for joining us. Absolutely, man. It was a privilege, man. Good luck to you guys as well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, no problem. Kick it! All right, that was the uh, Goldfinch Athletics interview with Leon Taylor. Uh, hi, Aiden, tell me you're going to record you being on the bull. If I find a bull... He told, you where, yes. he told you where it was. He told you where it was. Don't well, there's no guarantee I go there. You know, it's like okay. That's if I'm like there, if we're there, I will get on the bull. What do you mean if? When you have one spot to go, that's that spot. Fair. When it's fair. Rendezvous and that. Those are the two places you okay. have to go. You're not going to get out of this, <laughs> Williams. If you're still listening, <laughs> Forrest, you're his boss, Chris. Get him on a mechanical. This is bowl. like the last thing I have to do before crossing from interning. To just <laughs> it's a, a rite of passage in. that every <laughs> staff member has to have. I did it back in 2015. Who could forget? Who rode the rode the mechanical bull? All right. Well, I don't know. I think we're we're still debating because it is going to be Christmas and New Year's for the next couple episodes. We'll have something in there just depending on when we're going to record it. So it might be off schedule a little bit, but look forward or look for the uh, bowl preview special coming in the next coming weeks up into the bowl game. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. Yeah, thanks to all of our loyal listeners who are still listening. And as always, remember, adopt, don't shop.